Hello and welcome to the Gooners Podcast, Episode Five. I'm sorry, Season Five, Episode Fifty Nine. Uh, boys, it's a big one today. Big show, mates. Got a great guest tonight, lads. Um, so, uh, blokes, Owen, Jared, how you been doing? I'm good. I'm kind of freaking out though because this transfer window in particular, I've actively made the effort not to follow too much. So, I suppose that's not really a good idea when you're the co-host of a podcast that we're about to talk about transfers. So nobody expects us. This will be just as informative for me as it is for our listeners. So I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Perfect. Well, uh, Jared, governor, uh, my mucka, how how are things going for you? Going pretty good. Good to see you guys as always. And I'm I'm a little happy the last time you saw me. Yeah. I'm excited to to talk transfers. I'm not sure that's justified given the way the month has gone, but still excited about it nonetheless. I, I'm not excited to talk about transfers, but I am excited to talk about anything with Charles. So let's let this man needs no introduction. But if he didn't have an introduction, I would serve absolutely no purpose on this show. So uh, tonight we have with us the Arsenal correspondent from Goal.com, the owner and chief executive officer of the YouTube channel uh, called Charles Watts Arsenal News from the Press Box. Uh, he is a generous supporter and donor to the award-winning Gooners versus Cancer charity, which I've heard some really good things about. Um, we've, we've brought him here to talk about Arsenal's recent performances. We've brought him here to talk about maybe a little bit of, uh, what the future holds, a little bit of wrestling maybe. And yes, even transfers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Gunners podcast, Charles Watts. How mortified were you when I just did that? I, I apologize. No one likes me. I, I'm just more impressed with your technical skills, mate. To be fair. What, what, what's all these talk about transfers? I thought I was purely brought in here to talk about the Royal Rumble. Well, we, you know, we will get to that. And, and you know, I, I was going to ask you this question later, but because I like to put you on the spot. I mean, are, is this the year that we're going to do a, a WrestleMania preview show or or is this about as low as you stoop to? Uh, <laughs> it's coming on a regular Gooners fuck. I don't know. I think we'll ca- have to carry on talking about that as it builds up. Let's see who wins the Rumble first. All right. And, uh, and yeah, 10, ten years ago, 15 years ago, I'd be all over it. But but now yeah, I'm well, you'd be all over it. Holding a, a, a video game console, probably, and, and smashing it into the screen, uh, if I remember correctly. So, um, so anyway, uh, I, I'm gutted. We've Arsenal U21s have just been knocked out of the uh, the Papa John's trophy, and I'm upset because it's another title that we've been uh, another trophy that we've been knocked out over the last two weeks. And I was going to celebrate our win in April by you know purchasing a Papa John's uh, and closing it down so I could eat it all, but. Anyway, I, uh, how you been? It's it's been a few months since uh, since we last hung out. Uh, yeah, is it been bus up on the motorway a couple of weeks ago? Is everything all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. my tire blew out on the way to Nottingham Forest. So, um, yeah, it was an absolute nightmare. It was about three hours before kickoff, and I thought when I first did it, I was like, I still uh, I've got a chance. I still might make the game, and I was still standing on the roadside at ten thirty that night up in Nottingham. Absolutely, yeah. oh, shocker, shocker. It could have been worse. To be fair, I mean, I literally blew my tire on the on the motorway about 70 miles an hour so it could have been worse i thought you said um, i thought you were gonna say it could have been worse i could have actually made it to the game yeah that is true uh, I can, I can make this game. although i'm not sure what's worse making it to the game or sitting on the side of my on the motorway with your radio turned up listening to arsenal go out while standing in the dark cold and yeah it's just a miserable day all around yeah no not fun not fun we've we've obviously covered that one in depth uh, speaking of not fun for you, uh, it was fun for me, but it was great to meet you a few, a few months ago at the Tali. Uh, really meant a lot to me that you came out. I know it was game day and, and, uh, nice to share a Guinness or two, uh, with you. Here's, here's the scene on the patio of the Tali. You might recognize some of the folks in the background there. And that's really what I wanted to, wanted to ask you about. Um, what did you make of the shady individuals that I spend time with on a game day when I'm over in London? I mean, I mean, do you do you, do you miss that scene as a journalist? Do you do you? I, I take it you don't go frequently. I, I feel honored. I miss it massively, and this season more than any season, I'm really beginning to miss it. I mean, it's been oh, I don't know for, for Arsenal, it's been five years, but then before that, I was doing Reading for the same amount of time. Before that, I was doing local football around here for the same amount of time. So you know, I sort of grew up. I mean, I'm still a season ticket holder. I, I can see you know, I literally look at my seat every every game. It's just opposite me on the other side of the stadium. But my dad used, used it with someone else. My nephew was normally there. My niece was there on the weekend. And I'm really missing it this season. I don't know if it's because like we've had the year year or six months without fans in the stadium or something. But this year, I've really started missing it even more than normal. Just the beers before and beers afterwards. Do you think that that's because Charles and, and I've only been to one game, the Villa game that I went over to meet Mike for? 
and I actually felt that the atmosphere on game day around the Emirates has improved ten tenfold. And do you think that do you think that maybe the reason you're missing it is because the atmosphere has improved so much? Do you know the feeling around the stadium? People are just happy to have football back. I think so. I think that's, that's definitely part of it. And I think also this team is a team that you actually genuinely like. And I think it's been a long time as an Arsenal fan that we've had a team that you actually really sort of connect to and like, and there's individuals in it. You know, obviously you always support the team, but you know, for how many years has it been now? And you really wouldn't be too bothered if a lot of the players left the club, would you? But it's different with this team, I think. There's, you know, they're young, you can get behind them. And like I said, the atmosphere home and away has been better this season than I can remember in a long, long time. There's a genuine connection between mm-hmm. the fans and, and this team. Um, and yeah, I think that probably plays part of it. I, was, I think also it's the fact that my son's like five now, he's going to be six soon. And it's only a couple of years on from that that I started going to, with my dad. Like I, was, I started being a season ticket older in 89. I was eight then. And I think the more the older he gets, and a lot of he's in, in the Arsenal kits and everything, the older he gets, the more I keep thinking, you know, I can't really, I'm not gonna be able to do that with him. I'm not gonna be able to take him every game because I'm there in the press box. And I think that's mm-hmm. playing on my mind more this year. Well, make sure you and, figure um, out a way yeah, to do that. I'm just really, really longing for it. I'm starting to miss it a lot more, the actual just being in the stands. Figure out a way to do that because there is nothing. I mean, I my ability to bring my son and and really my entire family, but I mean my son as the as the closest to most regular person into my arsenal obsession mm. uh, both you know by coming to me to ga- with ga- you know coming with me to games in london watching them here it's just i mean there's there's nothing like it in the world and and you know i didn't have that with my father so i uh i certainly love seeing fathers and sons fathers and daughters uh you know fathers mothers and sons whatever i mean whatever the combination is the generational pass of arsenal is incredible I thought maybe more people were going and having a good time at pubs because that was really the only good part of the day for a while. They, they just knew that they had to cram in the fun before they went to the game because then the game was going to leave them. Uh, but uh, but I think we've, we're starting to break out of that. Owen was there the week before. You, you missed him by a week, and I think it was because Owen has something in his contract with us that he has to be the second most favorite, famous person at the pub. And he knew that if you were there, he would be you know notched down to the third spot. It's it's just that uh, myself and Charles are so attractive. It's, it's it would be unfair to everybody else to bring that kind of energy into one place. I had to give Charles his moment. Very very true. <laughs> so so we'll wrap up the reminiscing about the Tollington. But yeah, have you ever been to, um, to like to an event or you've bought a, a service or something that you've consumed uh, in you know in the economy, and then you get this email survey asking you for a quick three-question survey about your experience. Um, I'd like to ask you if you mind taking 60 seconds to have a three-second survey about your visit to the Tollington on November 7th, 2021. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Question number one, on a scale from one to 10, how much fatter was I than you expected? I mean, you, you see the <laughs> upper part of my body, but we'd never actually, uh, you know, so. Uh, 11. Yeah, no, I, one. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me. Okay. Well, he, he actually, okay. Because he actually, you know, I, 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 I may just continue to go out like this instead of actually <laughs> coming around like this for all people who see me on television now. Okay. Question number two: In the approximate hour that you spent in the Tollington pattern with me and my mates, how many minutes in did you start thinking your career was over? <laughs> none. None. <laughs> what are you about? Not at all. <laughs> about making me look like a jackass, which is my favorite pastime. Question number three: I want to leave. I don't want to go to your press room. <laughs> On a scale from one to two, is it true that you wrote your game report for that game before it started so you could keep going with the Guinnesses at the Emirates? You don't have to answer that question. Um, <laughs> I think I'd, I'd certainly started. I did, honestly, I, everyone, everyone was laughing at me when I got in because I sat, I sat in the press room and was like, I've just had a couple. I really can't be bothered with this at all now. <laughs> just wanted to just, just carry on. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's another reason why I don't do it before the games anymore. So mm-hmm. it's not ideal getting in there having a couple. Of, it was early kickoff as well, wasn't it? uh yeah it was a it was one of those uh i think it was a 12 30. uh or no it was a it? sunday but maybe it was a two uh okay, was it? It, was, I can't remember it, it was watford watford oh, uh, yeah, yeah it wasn't a great game was it no it was, it was not the best game in the world but anyway uh enough reminiscing it was fun i appreciate it and thanks for being a good sport with my uh with my stupid comedy so uh if you're in the chat please put your questions in the chat owen and jared are going to be uh kind of highlighting comments and questions but if they're a question that you want charles to answer we're gonna we're gonna definitely cover as many as of those as we can at the end. Hopefully, nothing repetitive. 
So, you know, if you make them unique, if you make them, uh, you know, flattery of the hosts will get you everywhere. Uh, you know, so, uh, so, so please put those in the chat and we can mark them and answer them later. So before we get on to transfers, um, can we just say that Arsenal's January has been about as dire as it possibly could be? I mean, I don't see how anyone anyone could say that, that you know that, that there wasn't some way that we could have been better prepared for you know after New Year's Day, four games in two weeks, regardless of the Liverpool chicanery, knowing Afcon was going on, knowing that injuries are always an issue this time of year, and by that I mean for Arsenal all times of year, um, you know, no goals scored. Two cups knocked out of now three if you include the Papa Johns, uh, a complete loss, complete loss of momentum that the team had going on. And I mean, how is this excusable, Charles? Uh, well, it's not really excusable, I don't think. I think there's certainly mitigating circumstances to it that have to be taken into account. I mean, the squad's been well, we know it's been decimated. There's been barely any training done for. A, a long time um and i think you could really tell certainly in the liverpool second leg at the emirates you could really tell that with some of the players like tommy asu for example who was clearly nowhere near ready um and shouldn't have been playing really but they had no other option a right back certain rushing back and it cost him um uh so yeah i mean there's it's not really excusable i think certainly the ainsley mate the niles deal at the time as soon as as soon as that was got it going through i think we all thought this is quite odd the timing of it it's like yeah fair play, fair play let them go at the end of january no issue with that but you kind of knew what was going to happen with afcon and losing thomas party you, you thought hmm you're probably best waiting till the end of the window and i mean it certainly panned out that way i think he would have started all four of arsenal's last games wouldn't he had he stayed and been really key to that it would have meant, would have meant they could have carried on with a 4-2-3-1 formation instead of having to go to this 4-3-3 that hasn't worked at all um and so I think you look at that, it looked it looks a bad decision at the time. It looks a totally baffling one now. And I think that's cost them. So there's certainly they have to take the blame for an awful lot of that as well. But I do think, yeah, there's certainly some mitigating circumstances. And when you look back to the Man City game, I mean, it all started so well, didn't it? I think there's such a big sliding doors moment in this. It's that Gabriel Martinelli miss when they just equalized at 1-1. And then Martinelli had the open goal and he and he hit the post. And 30 seconds later, Gabriel got sent off and then Arsenal go on and lose that game. Had Martinelli scored that, I do wonder how January would have panned out. It just feels like a really big sliding doors moment because there was so much momentum with Arsenal then. And I think Arsenal's just full. That's a great comment. Arsenal's life is just full of sliding doors moments. Mm. Sometimes it works out in our favor, like like in you know in, in 1989, and then sometimes it just seems to constantly be the opposite of that. But do you not think that, and believe it or not, Charles, that um, Arsenal fans uh, do have a tendency to overreact at, at, at times? But for argument's sake, I understand that, that the League Cup is something that has evaded us for a long time and that the FA Cup is our bread and butter and we pride ourselves. But and maybe I'm being a positive moron in a sense. But when you actually step back and look, what is our objective this season? It's to get back into Europe. And, and mm. we're sitting... Even for how horrible January is, as bad as it feels, I think we, we're actually quite lucky when you take a, a step back and look at the landscape that we're in. Yes, the Burnley result wasn't great, but we're, we're relatively unscathed, you know, with, with Tottenham dropping points against against Chelsea. Uh, I think we're only two points off the top four or, or something like that. Uh, the, 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 the gap isn't that big, especially with games in hand. Do you really think that, like, people are talking about this top four push being bit over potentially do you think that there's an overreaction to, to to a sense with with that or do you think that maybe it's just the lack of signings or or I think, it's, pressure I, on think top it's, of that? I think the window comes into it i think everyone wants signings don't they i mean certainly it depends what we're talking about here if we're talking about social media then you know it's gets whipped up into a frenzy a frenzy at the best of times let alone in the in the transfer window um mm -hmm. and when results aren't going your way at the same time then it's just going to be amplified even more and it's, it's definitely you know there's definitely an overreaction I mean look as you said for the start of the season Arsenal's priority is to get themselves back into Europe I don't even think it's to get it was to get themselves back into Champions League it was just to make sure you get yourselves back into Europa League and then go from there that's and they've given themselves a really good chance at the top four and they've still got a really good chance at the top four it was just a case of getting through this month the Burnley game felt big because it was just it, it just feels like a missed opportunity I agree you didn't it didn't prove too costly with what happened at Chelsea um, straight afterwards, but it was an opportunity to get those points on the board and move, you know, have a 
have a bit of a swing in terms of points and it, they didn't take it against the bottom club. And that, that was a shame. Before the game, you knew how it was going to pan out. It felt like that Watford game we just spoke about. It was just a case of what get a 1-0 any way you can, get into this break, come back from it stronger when everyone's available at the end of this break. And it, was just a, it just felt like a bit yeah. of a missed opportunity. That, but it's not that far game. the world. It's absolutely not the end of the world. That Watford game was at the end of a fairly good run. I mean, you know, the, it started with Palace, uh, which was underwhelming. But then, you know, a, a fairly good run. And all of a sudden, Watford it was just like, okay, now we're in the mode where we're getting the job done. It doesn't always have to be pretty. And, Jared, you know from seeing me on Sunday uh, after FA Cup. I mean, that's the most angry I've been after a game in a long time. I don't generally get angry because I'm constantly looking at, you know, well, we lost this game. Let's, let's widen it out over like a six-game span, and we're really not doing that badly. But I was perfectly willing and ready to just completely absolve the team of of the Liverpool and Nottingham Forest situations under the assumption that we were still the team that was putting in shifts and just rising to the occasion in the Premier League. And then what I saw was a team that just didn't rise to the occasion, didn't have a game plan for a team that you know how they play. They did it very well against us, but you know, crossing the ball against Burnley isn't isn't necessarily the way to work. So I was more angry about that game than I have been in a long, long time because it was just like, you know, it just completely undoes everything, the ability to just me mentally rise to an occasion. So, Jared, I mean, your, your thoughts on that? Because I know that you weren't happy after the Burnley game either, but. Yeah, I'm with you. In general, I'm about as positive of an Arsenal fan as you'll find, or at least a silver linings type of guy. And it's tough to take much away from that one. It's just the top four race is far from over. We're two points off of fourth with a game in hand. So it's not over by any means. So that that's the game we're going to look at if we miss out. Those yeah, kinds of games, that kind of game, the Brighton game. Two points dropped, you know, come the end of the season, those two points may look, you know, pretty important. We hope not. And, and really this month, I think it was just a combination of that on top of the rest of the month of January, where the only positive thing that's happened for us is that we happen to have two Premier League games scheduled and no more than that, because it's been not great the last month, but December was fantastic. So we've seen, you can see a dramatic shift from month to month. And, you know, the hope now is that we see it go back the other direction. Once the window closes, the guys have a bit of a break and, and we're back strong for Wolves. So let's hope that all happens and let's get into transfer because I know Trust me, we're seeing your chats. We're marking them. We're going to be answering these questions, and let's and let's get into that now. The one thing I like about the transfer window. Can I, can I just say a disclaimer here before we get into it? There's <laughs> really not that much happening. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I would love to sit here right now and say, yeah, we are. It, it is going to be one hell of a ride these next six days. But I'm not. I'm not convinced. You're not, at the you're not breaking any news on the on the Gunners podcast tonight. Not tonight. I have to say it's not. I'm not convinced we're going to be. I think we'll probably definitely see one coming, but I don't think it's going to be the most exciting of signings. Um, possibly two, but yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Was that worried? I was. I was just going to ask Charles if it was worrying. Like, did that change your mind when you heard Mikel Arteta say that we'll hope to do business, but we'll have to see that we're not, you know, basically I'm paraphrasing, but that, that he isn't really um, confident on, on getting deals over the line because the market's so difficult. Uh, not particularly just because that's what, kind of what managers say, isn't it? All the, all the time they hedge their bets so they don't look, end up looking a bit stupid, but you know, Arsenal have been trying, but it's just really difficult. Every time in January, it's just not an easy window at all. And it, it, it sounds cliche, but it's not. And it's especially when you're looking at the two, the kind of positions that Arsenal are looking to improve. You know, they're looking at two very specific positions at the moment, as well as a goalkeeper who, you know, that looks like it's probably going to happen before the end of the window. But um, centre midfield and striker, and they're not two positions that you want to panic in if you can't get your main target in January, which is hard because it's hard to get quality players out of other clubs in January. You don't want to panic and then leave yourselves in a situation when you get to the summer and you're stuck with a player that you didn't really want in the first place um, on big wages who you can't then shift. So unless you can get on a loan that can get you through to the summer, which Arsenal have been trying, certainly with a midfielder, it's, it's a difficult one. So I, as much as I know fans are desperate for it to happen and, and stuff, I do think it's, when you're looking for a striker especially, you can't panic, can you? You cannot go out because no striker is cheap. So don't, don't, ask, do you think that, don't, don't, don't pose the question Isaac news with a question with four <laughs> question marks at the end. No, but what I was what I was going to ask, and I think this is a, a fair question, and to an extent I'm playing devil's advocate, but I, I definitely sort of 
back this question, and that's that striker and central midfield. If you look at the striker position with Aubameyang being exiled and apparently him not going to Dubai, that would almost indicate that he, he he's essentially got no way back, and that's even if he wants to come back himself. Um, I think with the contract situations with Enkedia and Lacazette, so the striker position isn't an area that I just think we need one player and we need multiple players. And I, yeah. I think you could argue that, that central midfield is very much the same. And whilst we mightn't be able to get, let's say, a Dusan Vlaovic, I think maybe he's away to Juventus now by the look of things, but we can still go and get the, the backup. You know, we can still go and get, we don't need Dominic Calvert-Lewin, we don't need Isaac, but we can go and we can get somebody who, who will be replacing Eddie and Kadia further down the line or somebody who, will be replacing Mohamed Elneny further down the line. Do you think it's fair that people are getting frustrated that there's no active effort to even build a squad, let alone the starting eleven? I think there's an active effort going on. I just don't think they've been able to get hold of their targets. You, you say you go out and get a replacement for Eddie, but I mean, I don't know, who 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 do you go and get in that situation? For me, I think um, you're right. I think Arsenal need at least two forwards. And if you can just bring forward what you're going to do in the summer and do some of it now, then absolutely that'd be ideal. I think they've been, obviously the Aubameyang situation has kind of come out of the blue. They weren't planning for that at the start of this. And it was a case of they were going to at least have Orba through to the end of the season with Lacquer, which they probably thought would be enough. And then they could sort it out in the summer. The Orba situation has messed everything up and that's fast tracked the need for a striker now, which is why they've been trying. Um, and they have been trying, there's no doubt about it. And I still think, you know, there is a chance they will do something, but I'm not sure it would be a backup now. I think they would, if they were going to get someone now, they'd go out and get the main striker now and they'd get the backup in the summer, I, I think. Um, and they could do. I mean, we've seen the, you know, the the names that are doing the rounds at the moment. You've got your Calvert-Lewins, you've got your Isaacs. Isaac kind of feels like the, attain, the most attainable one just because of that release clause. I mean, it's a hell of a lot of money and Mikel is going to have to be his most convincing best with Stan over in Denver the next couple of days to convince him to part with the sort of money he'll need to, to get where do you think, now. Where do you think Andy is right now? Our, our, my, my podcast co-founder, Andy, <laughs> is in Denver, uh, as, as, as he always is. And, uh, yes, and you get glass against the wall. He's yeah. He's he's on his he's on, he's on his way there. I was actually very upset last night that he didn't go to the Avalanche game because had he gone and seen Arteta, I think the gerbil might have broke the news that he was there rather than the uh, the traditional sources. And you know, if you are in the chat and you heard Charles say, you know, that there might not be that much news and you're considering leaving, don't because you know, in addition to Charles, we also have a a, a famous ITK in this in this as well. Uh, who is going to basically tell you the eight players that we are signing? So, uh, so, so after Charles leaves, we'll have a, a moment with the gerbil. But um, the stri- I mean, the striker situation. I, you know, I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. I just think I just think it's going to be difficult because look, they like they like Calvert Lewin. That's well known. But Everton are 16th in the Premier League. They're not. Yeah, safe they're not going to sell one of their best assets. Yeah. The fans are already. They're not going to pull Burnley and sell their one good asset. Imagine yourself yeah. Calvert Lewin now. I mean, literally, be a full blown riot at Goodison. And um, Jonathan David, a player they've tracked for an awful long time, who I think you could almost look at as you were talking there, you about possible the sort of backup. And you know, David's a very good player. He wouldn't want to come just as a backup. But I think he, you know, I think if they were going to get two strikers, they would get an out and out centre forward, and then someone who can play in a sort of out wide and forward role who tick the and David ticks that, and they like him a lot, but. From what I understand, there's not really any chance that's going to be happening in this this window. It'll be the summer. He wants to stay till summer, and a lot of players want to do that. But Isaac, that release clause does open up the possibility of a Thomas Party-like type last deadline day move for him. So that will be an interesting one to keep an eye on, I think, unless you can get a really smart loan in between now and the end of the season. But that's, you know, I think I've seen Jovic mentioned and... I'm not sure if there's anything in that. I've certainly not heard there's anything in that uh, at the moment. And people that I've spoken to over in Spain, uh, close to Madrid, they seem to think that Madrid don't really wouldn't really be considering letting them go anyway. So I'm not sure that's a that's a, a go at, at this stage anyway. So it's going to be difficult, but um, you know, I think they've got to get something done. It's either reintegrate Orba and try and bring him back in, which uh, the way Arteta, the history of Arteta, it doesn't seem like it's something he would be very willing to do. 
Can you oh. make a can you make a statement signing like I mean and 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 whether you consider uh, Isaac as a statement player or not, seventy six million transfer fee and wages certainly is a statement signing. Uh, can you do that while and not not knowing whether you're going to be able to get Aubameyang off the books as of this summer? I mean, if he's well, around for what another two years, that's what that's what isn't it? I mean, if, you, if if it's if it's another Ozil situation, I mean, we we almost we got lucky in the Ozil situation in the sense that that Smith Rowe rose from the ashes, or mm. you know, not, not from the ashes, but um, and it suddenly made made him you know go away in a sense. And uh, you know, I don't know that we have that with any. Uh, Balogun doesn't seem to be that guy. If anybody is, it's Martinelli. But I prefer him on the wing. Um, so, yeah, no, you have to go out. You have to go out and sign a replacement for all. But you can't look. You can't look to the youth. To there's just no one coming through. You can go there and be your be your centre. So I think we all hope that Eddie might might do that. But it's pretty clear that Eddie's not going to be that man. It's been clear for a while that he's not going to be that man. So you got to go out and spend big money if you're replacing Orba, especially if you're banishing him. Um, and and you know, they're, can they're you replace him to... as long as he's just banished rather than gone? But see, Mike, I, I, I think I think something that that Edu and Arteta have have I think earned is I'm not sure about everybody else on the panel or in the chat, but definitely for me is a sense of trust. It doesn't have to be the glamorous signing. It doesn't have to be a seventy million pound signing. You know, with the likes of Ramsdale and Tommy Astor and Ben White and whoever, they've earned the right to go and spend the money where they want to spend the money. So. I'm not saying that I'm expecting a Vlaovic coming in for 70-odd million or whoever, name any player for big money. But do something. Make an active effort to go and, and get somebody. It doesn't need to be the uh, you know the bells and whistles player that everybody wants, but just make an active effort to go and fill those gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, I think that I think they've given given the league table as well and the opportunity they've got of getting themselves in the top four this season if they're ever going to be aggressive in the transfer market and really go out and try and do something it should be now because mm-hmm. you know yes if you, if you do go and spend an awful lot of money 50 60 70 million pounds if, you, if they get you into the top four this season then that money's going to be paid back like that basically just from getting back in the champions league and what that's going to do to um sort of kick on the the rebuild getting back in the champions league is you know just be huge this could be like the pattern check window all over again, couldn't it? Just such a missed opportunity. <laughs> well, <laughs> it got mentioned in the chat. Man. It got mentioned in the chat a couple of times, and I know we touched on Arteta being in the U.S., being seen at the game with Kroenke. Do you have any insight? Is that something that was pre-planned that he was going to spend some time with them prior to the team going to Dubai? I know, kind of, all the Arsenal fans want to read too much into everything, so the, the kind of rumor going around is, well, he wouldn't need to fly to the U.S. to sign off on an Arter loan. If he's there, he's trying to convince him of something bigger. Do you put any stock in that, or do you think this is more something that could have been pre-planned and just sort of regular communication between the parties? I think it was probably pre-planned that he was going out there. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know about it. I don't think anyone knew about it. But um, I spoke to people at Arsenal about it today, and they said it was just because he's not had the opportunity to do it basically for the last two years, and this was a, this was the first opportunity he's really had to go out there. He's had some time. They go, he'll be going on to Dubai afterwards. And it was just a good opportunity for a proper face-to-face chat with him. I, I was told that he didn't go even over there for any specific topic, but you know everything would have been discussed when he was over there. You know, I know a lot of people was, were saying this morning, "Oh, this will be contract talks and things like that." But I'm told it was definitely not just for one specific topic, like getting a new contract. But all of that you think are going to be on the would be on the table, and he's not going over there just to go and admire Cronky house is it he's definitely going over there to try and convince him to give some to part part with some cash to get this uh to get this squad up and running so i think it might be a barbecue because i mean we've heard the story we've heard the stories about barbecues where where like the pepe signing was you know and the funding for it was sealed over a barbecue with uh with with uh what's his name the the guy the the guy the instagram if there was a barbecue going on yeah, yeah. Well, well, that that was my next point. Like the the barbecue where Pepe was signed, the barbecue where where Lacongo was signed at at Edu's house. I mean, it's all it's always barbecues. Um, so look, the more barbecues, the better. Uh, you know, if it means that we sign players. But thank you, Daniel. Uh, by the way, Daniel, um, I was going to mention this later, but since you've been generous enough to uh, to do a super chat, Daniel Bailey, I believe, is a destination that you'll be uh, popping up on tomorrow, Charles, as well. Mm-hmm. Daniel's a good friend of ours. One o'clock. Uh, fantastic uh, Gooner, uh, who I've had the, the pleasure of meeting and 
And you know, let, let's let's use his super chat as an opportunity to transition from the striker talk into something that everybody in the chat is talking about, mostly because really the news kind of just came across about Newcastle's bid for B- Bruno Guimarche or I, I, that's, Guimarche. Guimarche. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, Guimarche. I don't know. Um, but I mean, what do you know about the situation? Uh, is is there any thought being given? other than keeping our fingers crossed that Jaka can behave and Partey doesn't get hurt uh, of, of us getting through the next six, 17 league games with, uh, with the midfield we currently have. Uh, well, I mean, they've been trying to get Arthur, the deal for Arthur over the line for, for a while now. So they do want a midfielder. They're, they know they need one, but um, it hasn't happened that's yet. That's purely a loan? Sorry, that's just a, a loan, yeah. Um, and I think they would look to sign a more long-term target in, in the summer they'll definitely sign they'll definitely sign a midfielder in the summer you know spend i think they imagine they'll spend pretty big on one i mean i've i've reported that they like um tielemans and they've been you know they've held talks with tielemans agents i think tielemans agents doing the rounds at the moment sort of setting the scene for a big summer bid off between plenty of clubs for him and only have a year left on his contract um and arsenal want to be in the at least in the mix for that and have been speaking to him to sort of get make sure they will be in the mix of that and um in terms of bruno i can't get sorry i don't know if any of you have watched in canto but when i'm just saying bruno now and i can't get out of my head i've seen my kids i've watched it about 70 times in the last two months um <laughs> in terms of him i mean look, he's a player he's been looking at arsenal so many times from just constantly and um there has been interest there i mean arsenal do do like him they've watched him but in terms of signing him this window i haven't heard anything to suggest that they are they've tried to do that he's just one that they've been looking at and um why does that happen though like 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 it just seems to make so much sense now i know, I know a lot of things make a sense to arsenal fans when it comes to players that they want and then you know sometimes they go someplace else and kill it sometimes they go someplace else and they're like well i'm glad you know we dodged a bullet there but um i'm hearing nothing but like nothing but admiration for this player and unlike a renato sanchez who they're like yeah but he gets hurt and has these deficiencies and so on he seems like the perfect buy and someone that isn't going to be staying very long at where he is so you know if, if but then again you, you say if, that but the, the, the only club that's bid for him in this window is newcastle and he's available that's it. i have no i have no clue about the player at all other than he's got a cool name and and people aren't exactly banging the door down for him i mean leon have it's it's been pretty known that he's there if you want to pay for him and and clubs aren't banging the door down for him and i, I don't know too much um, i still can't get Encanto out of my head i can't say his name without thinking about it um, <laughs> I, um i you know I, I i haven't seen him i can't say i'm a bruno expert but he looks like a decent player he's brazilian he's got the links with edu and um and so it does tick a lot of boxes you think if arsenal wanted to get that deal done they could have got it done by now but they've cho- for one reason or another they've chosen not to do that and um, and so there must be something there that's stopping them because he's been around on the on the agenda for a while and they haven't and they haven't done it. Um, I mean, but there's so many players I see everyone get hit up over players and it's like, oh, why, why haven't we signed him? He's gone this way to be brilliant, and then he turns out they don't do anything elsewhere. So, well, and, and, and then it's out of sight, out of mind. Oh, I never said that I wanted that player. If he does go to Newcastle and he kills it, then yeah, it'll be frustrating and it'll be thinking, and it'll be one that a lot of fans will talk about. But there's, there's no there's no guarantee that he'll do that, and there's no guarantee he'll go to Newcastle anyway. I'm not sure if there's plenty of clubs sniffing around, and certainly for the summer, if he'll if he'll think Newcastle's an absolute goer. But that's just me. I mean, do you want to go into a Premier League relegation battle now when you're at Leon and you know you're going to have interest in the summer? Maybe not. I, well, I don't know. Newcastle's he'll been one basically of the gonna midfield players in the championship next year for sure. <laughs> and there's still there's still six days to go you know if 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 eddie decides that he does want to finally put some money down the table and bring him in then maybe it will happen but it's, it's not something that i've heard of i think certainly now if you ask me who's a more likely signing between now and and deadline day in midfield if arsenal are going to do it i certainly think it'd be it'd be arthur and you know they've had his agents been in, at the training ground and flew over they want to get that deal done arthur from what i understand people i've spoken to is very close to him absolutely wants to move to arsenal uh, he's got his heart set on it. Arsenal like him. It's just a case of getting that deal done. If Juventus can get a replacement in, and um, 
and they can agree. I think there's talk that Juve want an 18-month loan rather than just a six-month loan. I'm not sure if that's right or not, but that, it seems to, you know, other people have reported that. And if that is the case, then Arsenal will have a decision to make there if they really want to get it over the line. Mm-hmm. You know what's crazy is that Bru- you, all you can think of when you talk about Bruno is this movie character. Arthur that's was... The line. A, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Even that I, line. I, I just... I just looked it up because I'm not a I'm not a dad of an old of a young child. I'm a dad of teenagers now and adults. But Arthur was the name of a goddamn uh, a cartoon character in the was, late yeah. '90s, early 2000s, and he was an aardvark. And and I mean, at this point, why are we looking at cartoon characters when we're fighting for the for the Champions League? I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, and then there's Vlahovic, the uh, the the. Uh, the the wildebeest uh, that that we were looking at signing, that's yeah, done, right? I mean, can we just say that that's done? Yeah. What's that, Flavich? I mean, he's, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're just. And I want to say, Romeo's the Juventus correspondent at goal. Romeo Gresta is very good, and he, he thinks it's it's you know it's all agreed, everything's agreed. It's just a case of getting over the line now. It happened very quickly, that didn't it? In the space of now, one I night, wa- I, I want to point out of Locatelli all over yeah. again, don't I? Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> I want to point. But out I've never it, heard. I, the whole Blavich trauma is a weird one. Like I never reported it because everyone, that, everyone that I'd spoke to about it had always. I, I I've never had any confidence that it was going to happen. And people at Arsenal that I spoke to uh, uh, ages ago, and it carried on was, um, well, so we're not really serious contenders for him. So it was a weird one for me because every, it was being there was so much noise about it. Pete was being reported, but when people I was speaking to it was kind of. We were quite cold on it and thought it's just not it, it didn't really feel like it was one that they thought was actually going to happen in January so I'm not sure how much was noise and how much was actually real in terms of Arsenal's interest and if there were any bids because it's just not it's not something that I'd really heard the whole way through the window ladies and gentlemen this that you have to ju- I mean if you're going to watch anything about transfers you watch Charles Watts's YouTube channel because I, I was going to point out you've been saying the whole time that there was really nothing to this um, and and I believe now you're here to say that everyone else is in the mud. Uh, apparently, I mean that's a, that's an expression that the kids are using these days um, because Vlahovic isn't coming to the carpet. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean you've been pretty consistent on that. So you know, take a take a lap. Um, no, I it's uh, it is it, it's frustrating. But that's exactly what transfer windows are all about. Is there, there's going to be a name that half the people are saying it's it's completely legit talking about unanswered phone calls and that sort of thing. And then the other half's like, there was really not much to it in the first place. Some players just don't want to leave their country. Some German or German or Bundesliga players just want to go to Bayern. Some Italian or players from Syria just want to play for Juventus. And, you know, frankly, Arsenal for a 21 year old, you're not growing up thinking Arsenal's a great, a great big club. And that's, that, that doesn't just go back to Arteta and a do it goes back for, for, you know, for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Dude started watching Arsenal probably if he did at all when we, you know, 2008, when, you know, Rosicki mm-hmm. was out with a calf injury and, and we were struggling to finish fourth, you know, with, with, with silly players playing for us. And, you know, there's a reason that a lot of players aren't aching for a move to AC Milan anymore. They're all going to Juve. Why is that? Because, mm-hmm. you know. But there's so, and there's such a difference, I think, and it proves in the mentality of the players when they arrive. And that that was always my issue with the Vlaovic deal, is the fact that if this deal was going to happen, as people, certain people were claiming, that there was a level of persuasion needed that we really needed to lure him and convince him and this and that, whereas... When you see Aaron Ramsdale first interview, first interview, he said from the minute that he got wind that Arsenal were interested, he wanted to go straight away. And I think when people want to play for the club, when when they're when they're uh, their sole intentions is to to make the club better rather than um, being sort of more self centered, like a player like I think potentially Vlahovic would have been. Um, we just would have been a stepping stone for a player like that. I think it, it it sort of pays dividends when you when you actually invest in people that want to be here and not people that take a lot of convincing. Yeah, I think there are a lot of red flags on it, weren't there, from from the start. I mean, clearly they were they were interested in him because his goal record speaks for itself. Every club will be looking at him and interested in him. But I think certainly the impression that I got that people at at, at the club were well aware that it was pretty unlikely that it was going to be happening and. 
I think it's just so, social media as well. You know, it just whips it into a fervor. There's just everyone posting links, foreign links to stories that the, the translation doesn't work out. And it's just like every 20 minutes, there's a new one going. It's like, oh, we've bid for him. We've offered him this huge amount of money. And it's just, you know, they're not really sourced. They don't know where it's coming from or what the translation exactly says. And it just whips everything into a frenzy. And then when it doesn't happen, it's something like Arsenal have missed out on this player. And it doesn't always work like that. You know, it's just not always... It's not always been like that. So, yeah, it's, it's just a transfer window. It's the madness of the transfer window, isn't it? But you know I what? Think I we can all agree now that Vlahovic is overhyped and not that good, and we never wanted him anyway. But, but you know, the ITK should really, you know, to sort themselves out. But the thing that's the, pro- the problem with the internet during the transfer window and, and the number of people that, uh, you know, that get involved with it it's is easy to take part. And 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 never and no one. When's that? When's that stupid picture gonna fall over? You got that one. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna use that one, but someone already asked about it in the chat. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm such a dick. Uh, I really, I, I mean, yeah. look, I, I I really enjoy communicating with and 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 the occasional banter and 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 touching base between Charles and I. But I'm gonna screw it all up because. I asked him to do something nice for my charity. He records a video out of the goodness of his heart, and now I'm playing clips from it nine months later <laughs> as comedy bits. Uh, I just I want you to know that I love and respect you, and that I I I just have a I have a mental problem. So, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, um, yeah, because yeah, you know I don't I don't want to lose your support because thank you so much for your support. All right, that's the last one. All right, all right. So let's let's go to uh, let's go to something very important, which is um, the Royal Rumble, and then we'll get to your user questions, which will dip us back into, uh, into, just, into. Just before we go on to the Royal Rumble, which is clearly the most important part of this this chat, it'll be three minutes. I don't leave. Matt Matt Turner, he see that, that's a signing that I think is definitely yes. going to happen. Um, well, not definitely. I don't. Know, I hate saying that word because if it doesn't happen, then suddenly it's uh, you're in the mud, as you would say. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, that's the one from certainly from what people that I spoke to. It seems like that's the one that's closest to happening, and he could potentially end up joining the rest of the squad in Dubai if everything gets done for him. Um, I think that's furthest down the line out of out of all of them, and um, I'd certainly be more confident that that happening than anything else at the moment. I mean, that's not one that's going to excite the fans and quell the unrest or anything like that but i think is um yeah i think that's further that's one that's most likely to happen at, at this stage and I, I again i'm no expert when it comes to him i'm sure you probably know more than more than me um about what he's like but i think you certainly would suggest that means that burnt leno will be on his way sooner rather than later but if he does all right yeah and it'd be interesting to see what kind of fee we can generate for him i mean he's one actual sellable asset in my mind that uh you know Probably not more than we sold Emmy for, but probably not less, wouldn't you think? Well, I spent, what, 25 to get him three years ago. Maybe two years left in his contract. Well, no, it's one year left. Since 18 months, isn't it? One year left in the summer. I'm not yeah. sure you're going to get 20 million for him. Now, I think you're probably looking more around the 15 million mark, uh, I would say, maybe. Um, um, and it depends if there's a market out there for him at the moment. But you would think if they're bringing in Turner now and not in the summer, then they've probably got some idea that someone's going to come in for him in the, ne- in the next few days. He's out in Dubai already, though. A lot of the players have got been given three days off. They start the training camp on Thursday, and a lot of the players have already got out and sort of started their holiday, basically, before the training camp starts, and it burns over there already. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the in the coming days because he might have to end up having to leave there. It's not true that they went to Dubai specifically to, to pick up William, right? I mean, like, like he's he's not there again, is he? No, he's not. Uh, okay. <laughs> he's gone. Because no, I, no. I know he loves it there, and he, you know, he went there when he was with us. So I just, uh, he, I, did, I just went... he went. He went to Salt Bay's restaurant, didn't he? <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. So, um, all right. So Royal Rumble. Charles and I share a very, uh, you know, although he's outgrown it, and I have, and I keep trying to pull him back in. Uh, but. Uh, any uh, any predictions on the Royal Rumble? Do you, do you know what's going on? Uh, Owen's leaving. I... I'm not, I'm not sure. Big E, maybe. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure he's going to win it this year. Like I said, I'm pretty. I'm a little bit 
out of touch of it. I mean, I, I, I'm always just more intrigued by who the surprise entrants are going to be. Like, I think that my favourite moment in wrestling in recent years was when Edge came back. What three years ago was it? Oh yeah, that was and fantastic. That, that rumble is just absolutely brilliant. Um, my favourite moment in it, wrestling was 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 just last Wednesday when this happened. Was very good. Uh, Wait, waking, waking up and seeing your messages on WhatsApp, seeing those pictures did make me laugh. I mean, look, in life you have to have some fun. Um, and I like to, to mix my, my gooner dumb with, with silliness and what, what you see on Twitter, when you just search for like wrestling and arsenal and you see the tweets about the two of them together, it's hilarious because it's half people like, Oh, like big up to the guy with the arsenal fan. And, the th and then it's half just people just absolutely slaughtering me. Unfortunately, this was about three hours after Spurs came back and scored those two goals and like, the 191 first minute to, to beat Leicester. But um, but the one thing I have to say is uh, if you are a fan of a football club and you see another rival football club person and you agree to take a picture like this, you need help. <laughs> you, you don't get anything in life unless you ask, but I, how is this guy agreeing to take this picture with me? I mean, it, it's it, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, um, but, uh, you know, that's what I do. I embarrass people. So, all right, let's spend the last 13 minutes or so of our hour talking about the transfer questions. If you have a question, please put it in chat. We want you to be able to participate. This is your chance to uh, to ask Charles. And, again, you know, if you're just asking about Izak, Gramarez, Vlaovic, you know, if you're just asking what the likelihood is of them coming, you've already gotten your answer on that, really. Uh, so we've got Zig T, who was asking about that before he uh, before he answered um, here's a good question. So make it original and make it something that, you know, that, that can actually be answered. An opinion question from Divion. If we want all of our January, uh, matches and we're sitting pretty in the champions league now, he means in the top four. And really we only had the two January matches. I guess we, 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 we got one point out of six in those. If we won those and we were clear in fourth place, would it be any easier to sign these transfers given kind of players not wanting to come to a team without champions league? security i don't think so it's, it wouldn't be that much of a difference would it and it's still half a season to go so no i don't, don't think so especially when you look at the players that arsenal are wanting to get and you hear what arte is saying it's not just he doesn't just want squad players now he wants players that are going to take the teams to the next level and when you sign a central midfielder and a, and a striker then it's i don't think with getting an extra four points during the month is going to make much of a difference in that in terms of getting convincing them so no i can't i can't imagine it would have made it would have made any difference to be honest Okay. Uh, we've got a question from Daniel Robert. Now, before Arsenal correspondence, uh, you did have some experience covering Reading FC. Um, and so Daniel wants to ask, uh, can you cover what's going on at Reading FC? Kia at the center by the looks of it, similar to Arsenal. I don't really know the background behind this, but I'm guessing you might have some insight. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame what's going on at Reading FC. I, I, I was leaving when this was all sort of kicking off and the new owners had come in and... Um, it's a tough one legally to talk about, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, when it comes to Kia, so um, it's a uh, it's a difficult one for me. But it's it's a shame. I mean, it's just what happens. I think when you got when you got owners who don't really know too much about football and they trust other people to make decisions for them, and they don't have proper football people in the proper high positions at a football club, then it's going to lead to trouble. And unfortunately, that's what's happened. Already. They've spent an awful lot of money. They've brought a lot of players in. Those transfers have benefited a lot of people, but not the football club, and they're paying the price for it now, which is a uh, which is a shame. And hopefully, they can survive the season. They can sort themselves out, but financially, that club's in a bit of a mess. And you know, wind the clock back ten years, and it was one of the most stable football clubs you can get in England. And now it's very much not the case now because of a lot of bad decisions by people who haven't really had the club's best interest at heart. Really, um, I don't really think it's similar to Arsenal, to be honest, because for their faults. Um, you know, the Cronkies, I, I wouldn't, you know, that I think they kind of know what's going on. And, you know, you look at what the success and the other franchises have got, they're proper sports people, whether you like them or not, they kind of are. And that's, I don't think it's very similar to Arsenal. Obviously, Kia's kind of been in and around both clubs, but that's about as far as it goes, I would say. I, I mean, Redding, the mess at Reading are in, you know, it's just, 
nothing like what's going on at Arsenal at the moment. I, you know, Arsenal, and, and therefore we've just we've just uh, sent the player out on loan to them, right? <laughs> yeah, Carl Hine has gone there. Um, hopefully, he has a cool. successful loan like Emmy Martinez did because Martinez did went there and basically kept him up the second half of that season and was brilliant and that kind of started Emmy's upward trajectory in his career. And hopefully, I mean, Carl's going there a lot younger. He's only a nineteen-year-old kid. Whether he plays remains to be seen there, but it's going to be an interesting one. Hopefully, he's just down the road from me. So uh, when Emmy was there, I popped down there and did a big interview with Emmy at the training ground. So hopefully, I might be able to do that with Carl in the next uh, next few months. Outstanding. All right, we've got some more questions here. Let's. Uh, Yo-Yo has a question, which is: uh, Arsenal haven't recouped much money under Adu with Willock being an outlier. Is he or Dick Garlic primarily responsible for selling assets high? Keeping in mind, uh, you know, maybe you disagree. A lot of these assets not being sold high kind of results from things that transpired before Edu came in. Yeah, I think Edu inherited, Edu inherited a lot of the issues, didn't he? Um, you kind of look at the players who haven't been sold for high. I don't know who who you're really talking about. I mean, you weren't the position Arsenal in reversal. They weren't going to get any money for Ozil. Mustafi, you're not going to get any money for Mustafi. Kalazna, all these players who have been basically released, they're not going to get any money for them because of the stupid decisions that have been made before Edu in terms of how much money they were on the contracts they were given. So I don't think you can really blame him for doing that. In fact, I thought it was quite, you know, he showed a ruthless side that Arsenal... At least he looks fair at this point yeah. now, all things considered. Which one, sorry? Emmy's fee looks reasonable. Yeah, all yeah, Emmy was, looks all right. Yeah, possibly they could have got more for him, but it was, you know, he'd only had like six months at the top level of football then when they sold him. Um, I mean, the Willett deal was fantastic. I'm not sure that was mainly down to Eddie. I don't think you can really give him credit for that. You've got to give Willett credit for that, for that remarkable two months he had. <laughs> had, um, uh, had he not had those two months, I think Arsenal were looking about 10-odd million for him. It's something that, something that Arsenal have had to improve, and it's way it's gone on way before Eddie. Said, uh, Arsenal have been awful at selling for an awful long time now, and it's something they need to improve on. I think they are hopefully going to start to improve on that. And I think some of the deals that they've done recently with the loans, and not they've not been putting obligations in them. People have looked at that and thought that's strange, but I don't think it's strange. I think they've kind of learned their lesson now because um, the Willett one, if they'd put an obligation to sell in the Willett one, they probably would have got about 10 million quid for him at the time of doing that deal because there's no way Newcastle in that January would have said right, we'll, we'll pay you 30 million or whatever it is in the summer so I think Arsenal are now looking at sending players out on loan hoping they have a good decent run in the team get their value up and then sell them you know you look at Mavropanos I think they kind of learned a lesson there as well you, I think they could probably have got an awful lot more for Mavropanos had they not put that obligation in when and and when doozy, like like like, how does that suit the the selling team to put a to put an op? Well, I guess an obligation suits the team. It's more like a hedge, an op, an option yeah. at a particular it's kind price. of guaranteed money in your accounts, isn't it? But yeah. it can work both ways because if you do go and have a brilliant time of it, like you know, Gwen Doozy now, it's going. If Arsenal do end up selling him for what, about eleven million quid, I think it's going to be. That's going to look like you know nowhere near as much money as they probably should have got for him. Um. And so it can work both ways, yeah. But it's definitely an area that Arsenal need to need to sort out, and they need to get better at. Because when you compare them to their rivals over the years, it's just miles behind, miles behind. They've lost out on loads of money because of poor selling. Mm -hmm. But then you look at you look at Willock, <laughs> Willock Awobi. I mean, you can't get two. I mean, those two deals are absolutely unreal, aren't they? The money they got for those two, Willock Awobi yeah. and Oxlade yeah. Chamberlain to Liverpool. Those those three deals are certainly the three standout ones over the last sort of five six years. Yeah, I think that's our problem though, is we can distinctly remember all the good sales we've made in very short order because there hasn't been that many to go over. Um, we're getting down close to the end here, so we're going to bang out some quick questions with Charles from everybody in the chat. Uh, the first one from Divyan: Wilshire's traveling with the team. Would he be the last resort signing if we don't sign anyone else in the midfield? That's a question I get an awful lot. I can just say what I'm being told and is that Arsenal continue to say that that's just not, it's not going to happen. You know, they might end up springing a surprise, who knows, and they might be keeping it all completely under wraps and feeding us stuff information. But from people that I've spoken to, it's still very much, he's just going there, staying fit, making up the numbers and, um, and he won't be signing. So that's all I can say on that at the moment. 
And I think that would make most of us happy. I love Jack Wilshire as, as much as everybody else, but I'm in no hurry to see him back on the pitch at the Emirates. If they were, were going to do it, they would have done it, they'd done it on January 1st, wouldn't they? It was just They needed a midfielder mm-hmm. the whole of January, and they'd been there for six weeks, two months. So if they, if they were going to do it realistically, you'd think it would have been done as soon as January the 1st came around. Sure. All right, the next one we got here is from our, our good friend Aston. What's up, Aston? says... Do you happen to know what the hell is going on with Ramsey at Juve? Apparently, he's turned down four Premier League teams. Could you also explain why he's our best midfielder of all time? That's a dig at me, by the way. But, but go ahead. It's <laughs> oh, a good question. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know how I can explain that because it's not true. Um, <laughs> do you, I don't know what's going on with Aaron at, at Juve? I'm afraid. No, it's just uh, I was talking to my dad about him this morning. Actually, my dad rang me up just for a chat, and uh, we were talking about Ramsey. Um, and no, I mean, it's just a shame it hasn't worked out for him in Italy, has it? And because basically my dad said to me this morning, he said, oh, I think we screwed Aaron over by pulling that contract offer. And I was like, well, yeah, but you look at it now and it's the right decision because if it had stayed, you'd sign that money, he wouldn't have played much because he'd been injured pretty much the whole time he's been in, in Italy. So it was the right decision at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I hope he gets his move. I hope he comes back and I hope he has a successful time of it because I'm a massive, massive Aaron Ramsey fan. Likewise, one of my favorites of all time. This next question, uh, we're, we're going to give to Mike. <laughs> I think it's one he'd like to take on. Um, this comes to us from Raggy. It says, did we ever find out who AFC Bell was? Some of us did find out who he was, um, but we are never going to speak of it. Um, but uh, we also you know, we also found out what he was, which was a fraud. Um, so, uh, and God forbid it somehow turns out to be Charles. I've just really dug my grave, but I, I think I'm safe in saying that. No, I, I think I'm safe in saying that it wasn't. So, uh, so yeah, I, uh, we, some, some of us did, it was kind of implied at an article from James McNicholas, uh, which is a great article in the athletic. If you go back and, and start to put some, put some, uh, connect some dots, you, you might be able to figure out who it is, but it's not me. It's not the gerbil, but. In, in any case, uh, any more questions do we have? Yeah, we've got a couple more quick ones. Looks like we've got just a couple minutes left here. Uh, we'll go to B- Bulgarian Gunner. Thoughts on the super agents and their growing influence in the game, obviously stemming from <laughs> this month's Vlahovic nightmare. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't like it, but it's just a way to, it's way to football. I don't think it's, it's not new, is it, the super agents? It's been going on for an awful, awful long time now, and a few certain people have way too much influence in the game, I don't think that's just result. That's just not football, though. It's in all industries, isn't it? You got a few very rich people controlling controlling things and how the market works, and it's it's a shame. And I know an awful lot of agents who do an awful lot, you know, good things and really care about their players. I'm not saying these super agents don't, but um, you know, it's not it's not great when certain few people have such a monopoly on on a game. Do you think, Charles, as well, that <laughs> you're just talking about? the changes um to the game and the changes in the market now something that i've think i have realized over over maybe this past two or three years is there's been this constant sort of push for sell-on value is so important you know getting players in and um selling them whilst they still have sell-on value we've been a victim of that so much with aging players and running out of contracts and we're still seeing it now with players like alexander lacazette but do you think now that the market value has gone up for younger players and we're seeing less moves for people who are 27, 28, 29, like we maybe would have five years ago where people in that age bracket of their late 20s would have been moving for major money. Now the shift is is that people are investing in these young young players much more now. I think we definitely are, 100%. I think that, that shift's been pretty evident and it's uh, it was always sort of growing up in the 27, 28, that's the prime, that's when you sign your experienced players but I think a lot of people are moving away from that now because if you're signing someone at 27 given the money you have to pay players at the top level when you give them a four-year contract you're basically spending huge amounts of money on someone you're not going to have you're not going to be able to get rid of really and if you are you're going to lose a lot of money on it so all the investment is going in youngsters it's going in the academy and Arsenal are doing it um, and that's where the money is when it comes to player trading uh, at the moment and it is becoming very difficult to shift the older players on and a lot of older players now are not wanting to um, move on anyway. They're kind of waiting until they've become free transfers. It's something Arsene Wenger predicted a while ago that you're going to see free transfers. Players hold, seeing out their contracts to become free. It was just become, going to become the norm. And I think we're seeing that now. Um, 
we've seen it at Arsenal, we've seen it at, at a lot of clubs. The free market transfer, the free transfer market is huge now, and players know if they can stay, they're going to be, um, they're going to have an awful lot of offers come come the end of their contract. So it's difficult. It's very very different. We've seen the shift, and a lot of the emphasis well, they're is on the fee and wages. They're going to get the fee and their wages, or in, or an or an assigning on bonus. Yeah. So it's it's literally your money or the clubs. But that's why I think you look at Arsenal and how they're handling youth youth products now and, the, and how they're utilising the loan market. is absolutely it's been a massive change in it. The amount of players they're sending out on loan, and they're not not just doing that to make it at Arsenal. They're doing that to raise their transfer value if they need to sell. You look at someone like Daniel Ballard and the way they've managed him the last couple of years with the loan to Blackpool, then to Millwall, um, and his career is just really sort of going on. He's already now a very established um, Championship player. He's an international player at Northern Ireland who plays regularly and his transfer fee you know even if he doesn't ever make it at Arsenal and doesn't make a single appearance I think they're going to make a, a decent amount of money on Daniel Ballard now because of the way they've managed him and he's a sort of we're going to see more and more of this in terms of how they're trying to manage their young players it's not just about um trying to make it into the first team and being the next Smith Rowe and Saka it's about becoming you know a, an asset that Arsenal can sell for decent money and that's how you know they're going to do it. I think they'll do. You make more money on youth products now than you will on selling players in the mid twenties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, potential potential is key. Um, speaking of making more money, what we need to do uh, while we have a hundred of you here, and I know that you are here to see Charles, uh, but we would like you to put your eyes on one other quick thing for about ninety seconds while you're here. Um, there's no better place you can put your money right now than to buy an entry in the Gooners versus Cancer raffle for what is in my consideration uh one of the best pieces of arsenal memorabilia out there today um and uh you can get a signed shirt from the four heroes the last second heroes from the anfield uh, 89 game winning goal against liverpool at anfield so uh here's a quick video about it with instructions and it's all to raise money to try to find a cure and support families who are dealing with leukemia so if you watch this real quick, we'll come back and say goodbye. So thanks for bearing with us on that. Uh, we are about 26% sold on, on entries. We're going to do the drawing as soon as there's 500 entries and the entries are $25 a piece. You do not have to be in America to uh, to donate or to win. You can donate in your local currency. I think it works out to about 18 quid or so, but uh, it's hopefully a, a great prize for you and, uh, and we're doing it for a great cause. And Charles, honestly, thank you for your support over the years. You donated to something to the raffle to help us raise money this year you've donated to the cause before and you've certainly spent your time and generously uh joined us both on our marathon pod that we did and and the video that i've now chopped up and <laughs> and used in a, in a way i probably shouldn't have but um well that sounded a lot worse than i meant it to i meant i meant uh, on the podcast but um so is there any way for me to screw this relationship up further um uh, <laughs> Charles, where can we find you next uh, other than tomorrow night uh, or tomorrow afternoon uh, on, on Dan Bailey TV? Usual usual platforms. Yeah, got Dan, doing Daniel's show tomorrow. Also doing something with uh, Andrew from Ask Blog in the morning as well. Okay. Um, that's not the regular podcast we're doing. It. He's doing a sort of special thing that's going out. I'm not sure when it's going out, but I'm joining him for that as well. So keep an eye out for that in the coming days or weeks. 
and then yeah i'll be all over usual stuff my social media channels will be doing my youtube as well so keep your eyes peeled and any news that happens i will do my best to bring it to you hopefully fingers crossed we'll have a we'll have an exciting final few days let's hope so we'll get some final reinforcements um you can follow Charles on Twitter at Charles underscore Watts, just like you can see here on your screen. And uh, just want to thank you again for your support, for coming on with us during such a an important week. I won't call it a crazy or busy week, but uh, but but appreciate you spending your time with us, Jared Owen. Love you guys. Uh, thanks for for being on and and uh, contributing to you know to hopefully stopping me talking for the entire podcast, which for some reason today I just felt like doing. Didn't work. <laughs> Yeah, it's been fun as always. And Charles, thank you to you. We know in general you're a busy guy, but especially in the month of January, I'm sure it's it's heightened quite a bit. So we appreciate you uh, coming on and joining us for a chat as well. No worries, my, guys. Always, always a pleasure. And my son and I will be back at the Tali the first uh, week of, of April. So I'll, I'll hit you up and, and uh, my son would love to say hi. So talk to you soon. That. Let's hope for some reinforcements. Se- just all we got to do is win 17 out of the next 17 games and we're good. And come on, you Gunners.